0: Amen. So true. This morning, if it wasn't for the cross and the resurrection, where would we be? Let's take our Bibles this morning, please. Mark chapter twelve. We're going to dismiss our children to their junior church hour. We're glad that you're here, young people, and you're going to have a good time back in the back junior church hour. We want to wish Mr. Pipe a happy birthday today, and Mila Crevar has her second birthday today, and uh, also this past week, the Haywards had their twenty fifth anniversary. And the Simmons, 54 years and counting, getting better every year, and so thankful for them. And long marriage, another long marriage, and we're always thankful for that, and a good example to our church. So young people, they didn't even wait for me to pray, they took off, and so they heard the pastors preaching. We, they got stuck here last Sunday, so they, they said, not again, we're out of here. He looks at us sideways, get out the door everybody, that's what they did, so amen. Mark chapter 12 this morning. Mark chapter 12, I'm thankful they got stuck here last Sunday. Nine walked the aisle, five accepted Christ, and we praise the Lord for that. You continue to pray as the young people are discipled and the others that had the seed sown in their hearts would grow. I can't help but think that maybe there was an adult, an adult that maybe, listen to this, don't, don't you dare go to hell because of your own pride. Don't ever go to hell because of pride or because of anybody else. You just humble yourself before almighty God and you accept Jesus Christ and his free gift of salvation and he will save you by his grace if you put your faith in him. Don't, don't waste another moment. And uh, let me tell you this, it is a waste to live for self and not for Christ. Let's look this morning at Mark chapter 12. I remind you to pray for some folks. Remember this is snively in the hospital and she uh she seems to have kind of a one good day and then a couple low days where she's tired from the good day and uh, sometimes the low days are getting a little bit lower each time and and uh, but we are thankful that she's had a couple of good days in a row now, and, and been able to joke around, and and uh, I'm thankful that she's having some self reflection. She asked Lori, "Do you think I'm picking on the pastor too much?" And so I'm thankful for that. And uh, but it's been a blessing to go up, and and uh, she's smiling and happy, and then and uh, able to joke with us and, and talking uh, quite a bit. And so it's been it's been good. So anyway, continue to pray for her, and uh, we were singing that song just a few minutes ago about crossing Jordan, and, and uh, you know, as Christians, we like to say a lot of times, well, you know, death's not a big deal, and, and we're going to heaven. How can you threaten me with heaven? And we talk like that. We talk tough. But the Bible says that death is an enemy. Isn't that what the Bible says? Death is the enemy, and one day it'll be swallowed up in victory. And so it still can be a scary thing, and we need to pray for people uh, you know, a little bit of the unknown there, and uh, I say this, I, I, I can't wait to get to heaven. I just don't like the process it takes to get there. You know, you have to pass through Jordan's chilly waters, and so let's, let's pray for these dear folks and others like them that are struggling and suffering, and, and we praise the Lord. I, I listened again this week. I had, I had said, I think on a Wednesday night a couple weeks ago, I had watched a, uh, a funeral service uh, somebody had sent me a clip of it and said, you need to watch this. And it was a uh there there's a, a preacher in the States and his wife had died and uh the children got up and did some eulogies. And um the young man that got up, his I think his mother was only in her 60s and had cancer and she died. And the young man was about 30, 35 years old and he began to talk about his mom and and he said, you know, we prayed for so long and he says we he said, I gotta be honest, I got angry why God didn't heal her and he says and he says, then he says, God spoke to my heart. And he says, just because the prayer wasn't answered how you think it should have been answered doesn't mean I didn't answer it. And he said this, and it just it really caught my attention. He says, because there was only two ways I could answer your prayer. Either your mother would be healed or your mother would be healed. Either your mother would live or your mother's gonna live. And that's so True. And so when we pray for healing for somebody, they always get healing. <laughs> we may not like how they're healed because it leaves a void in our hearts, but ultimately if they, if they make it to heaven, they've been healed. No more pain or suffering, and and, uh, what a wonderful, wonderful promise of God's word, and heaven is a little bit sweeter every day, and so continue to pray. Let's remember Sue Hatch, she got her date for her surgery, November the 16th, so mark your calendars, and be praying for Sue, as the cancer is very aggressive, but we're we're praying and we're optimistic that God will touch her body and help her through this time, and so November the 16th. Pray for Sue, and and up until then, of course, and then of recovery as well. Remember Jessica Nicolmoro, we took the kids to see her yesterday, and they said that uh, she really was very quiet. She talked a little bit. They said it was still good to see her. We're glad that we went, but just not talking a whole lot. And she's scheduled for surgery in about two weeks, and then there's a six-week recovery, and so she needs your prayers as well. And so please be in prayer for Jessica. She's in Juravinsky Hospital in Hamilton, and looking at some surgery coming up and are battling a lot of infections in her body. And so she needs your prayer. All right, Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. We're gonna look just at a couple verses there. And uh, l- let me say one more thing. And I don't like to give announcements typically during the service, but don't forget this next week is our anniversary week. We've done things a little different this year. Um, it was hard to get the help that we needed for the banquet. And if we don't have the help, Then it's a lot of work on our our ladies and they don't get to enjoy the night. So we decided just to have some smaller dinners throughout the week. And so there's three dinners going on, really four dinners going on. And so on Tuesday at noon hour, the teenagers are going to have a roast beef dinner following their coffee hour. Now let me say this, you need to sign up though so we have enough roast beef for you, okay? Make sure that we have enough roast beef there. And so there'll be roast beef and gravy and then the rest is potluck. You can bring potatoes. You'll be assigned something to bring if you're coming. Friday night is the foundations class and they've invited uh, the college and career age to come in with them. And so that's gonna be in the gymnasium, six o'clock Friday night. And then six o'clock Saturday night is the kingdom builders class. And uh, that's uh, Brother Baker's class. And there's about 30 to 40 signed up there, and 40 to 50 signed up in the uh, foundations class. So there's several good dinners going on, and so we encourage you, get to one another. Here's the thing, you say, well, I, I can't go this night, doesn't matter, you can go any night you want to go, all right? I, it doesn't matter who you're with, roast beef always tastes good, so just go and enjoy a night and get to know somebody new, that's fine, it doesn't matter, well, I'm not in that age group, it doesn't matter, just go and have a good time, and, and let me say this, you can take your kids with you, all right? Um, if the teenagers have kids, I'd be surprised. But you can take your kids with you and enjoy. And so don't, don't think Sunday school kids can't come. They're welcome to come with you and go to your dinner. And the teens also on Saturday night are having a teen dinner. And uh, I think that's, is that the Norris home? Is that correct? Yes, it's at the Norris home. What time is that, Brother Kevin? No, <laughs> Mackenzie, do you know what time it is? You don't know. Does anybody know? Would you show up at the Norris' house Saturday morning bright and early all right, just come and stay all day, young people, and, you know, whatever. All right, but come, they'll let you know. What, Calvin, there's Calvin. You're the youth pastor. What time is the dinner? It was just the workers. It It's just the workers. Sorry, teens. <laughs> workers are getting together, all right? Teens still go over, though. It's okay. All right, Mark chapter 12, but I hope you'll take part in that. We're looking forward to having Brother Jeff and Laura Lee Roberts with us been faithful up in Maranatha Baptist Church in the Sioux for many, many years. We, we, I was talking to Mrs. Roberts, she thinks 27 years, and so we're excited to have them back. One of our uh, young men that came through our church, graduated from Baptist Bible College Canada, and has been serving up there for many years, always good to see the Roberts. And so you'll want to be here, and uh, right now, the plan is he'll be speaking at the Friday night, the Saturday night, and all day Sunday. He can't get here for Tuesday, uh, but he can be here for the whole weekend uh, activities, All right. Mark chapter 12. We're going to finish out our series this morning on the Be the Church. Be the Church. I started with an introductory message about 10 weeks ago called A Glorious Church. Now, we've not done it every single Sunday. There's been a couple times where the Lord has put something else on my heart, but we've, we've had this will be our seventh message in 10 weeks. And uh, we did a glorious church. It was just an introduction about God's church, what it was from the book of Ephesians. Then the next week, we looked at the passion of the church. Our passion must always be Jesus Christ. I guess I'm the only one that believes that. Our passion should be Jesus Christ. Focusing upon his glory, what brings him glory, how we can bring him glory. And so that was the passion of the church. The next week, I, I spoke on the people of the church. And I got those out of order, but the, the Lord had laid upon my heart something else. And the people got bumped, and we had some other music that day from, that was already scheduled. And the passion of the church just kind of fit with it. And so we moved the people of the church, and we talked about us. People of the church are a saved membership, Think about that. It's such a wonderful thing to be a part of God's church that you have to be saved to be a member. You have to be blood-bought, washed in the blood of Christ, and baptized into the local assembly. And so we talked about the people of the church. And then on a Wednesday night, just because it fit, we were in Acts chapter 20, we talked about the progress of the church. And that was a Wednesday night, so many perhaps did not hear that. And then we talked about the presence of the church, the Holy Spirit And how important it is that we are obedient to him. He is the superintendent. He leads us and guides us. And it is his job. Think about this. Jesus said, when he is come, he will testify of me. That's what he is to do. Oftentimes, the charismatic churches will get off base because they'll worship and glorify the Holy Spirit and and all this. And he is God. He is the three in one. But the Holy Spirit's job is to point us to Jesus. He will testify of me. He guides us into truth. And Jesus Christ is truth. And so we we keep that in mind. And so the presence of the church and then uh, last week or two weeks ago was the prayer of the church. And the prayer was to seek him. We're seeking Jesus Christ. We are seeking God. We are looking unto him uh, and allowing him to work through us and in us and in our local church. So this morning, I'd like to speak to you for a few moments on the purpose of the church. The purpose of the local church. Before I read my scripture this morning, let me say this. Most organizations, I would say every organization on earth, the first thing they will do is develop a purpose statement. What is it that you want to accomplish with your business or your organization? I think we are taught that in school, that you need to have a purpose statement. Even writing an essay, we are taught, what is the purpose of this essay? And then we seek to fulfill that purpose in our writing or in our business or whatever it might be. I want to say this, about spiritual things, and especially God's local church, it is just the opposite. We are to examine God's word fully. We are to seek the face and the will of God from the Holy Scriptures. And from there, we develop our purpose statement. In other words, we have to get the instruction first. We have to find out what God has said first before we develop our purpose, because our purpose is not something we are trying to accomplish, but instead is a matter of obedience to what God wants to accomplish. So, our purpose on—I was going to say our purpose on purpose—the purpose of the church I have put at the end of this series on purpose, because we want to first understand who are the people of the church who are going to carry out this purpose. What is the passion of the church? Who is it that we focus on in our purpose? What is the prayer of the church? Who are we seeking? And so we must know all those things before we can develop a purpose statement. And so today will simply be a summary of what we've already learned and we'll put it all together with four statements: what is our purpose? Look at Mark chapter 12 with me in verse 29. Mark chapter 12 just Mark chapter 12, verse 29. And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask of you one question. And answer, oh sorry, I'm in in the wrong chapter, aren't I? You're all looking at me. Mark chapter 12, I'm in chapter 11. Verse 29. And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand your word today and speak to our hearts. Father, as we consider the purpose of the church, we pray that you'd open our eyes to everything you'd have us to understand today. And may the Spirit of God teach us and help us. And Lord, I surrender and ask that you'd fill me. I need your help today. Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In Mark chapter 29, or sorry, Mark chapter 12 and verse 29, we read of the Lord Jesus Christ's response to a question. You'll remember, and I won't take you back, but I'll just paraphrase for you this morning. The disciples were asked, what is the greatest commandment? The Lord Jesus Christ would answer to love the Lord thy God, all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind. And he said, and the second greatest, the second commandment is like unto the first, to love your neighbor as yourself. Another one of the gospel writers would record that in all of this is wrapped up the law and the Prophets. Everything we need to know about what God wants us to accomplish in this life and in his local church is wrapped up in those two verses. Love the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, thy spirit, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. That's pretty simplistic. How many of you are glad today for a simplistic gospel? I'm so thankful that I don't have to work my way to heaven. I'm so thankful that there's not a whole bunch of liturgies and and uh different things that I have to learn and and go through all the processes and all the hoops and the, the things that different religious leaders put upon their followers to, to see the kingdom of God. I'm so glad that the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. It is a simple gospel, and so many don't want to believe it because it is so simple that they don't understand when the Bible says, first John 5 13, uh that as many as or, are or, sorry, um these things have I written on them that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know. You can be assured of. Because you know Jesus Christ the Savior. It is that simple. And yet it's so complex for many. But I'm here to tell you today that the purpose of the local church is also very simple. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself. There's a lot of ways we set out to accomplish that. But that really is a purpose statement for the church. I want you to notice four things today, and I'll make four statements that I believe are encapsulated in that purpose statement. Four things the local church must do if we are going to fulfill the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn, if you will, to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. You say, well, this is an odd place to go for the New Testament local church. But I want you to see something. I think it's very important that we understand this. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 the Bible says to everything there is a season and listen to this phrase and a time to every purpose under the heaven time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted a time to kill and a time to heal a time to break down and a time to build up a time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to dance a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing a time to get and a time to lose a time to keep and a time to cast away a time to read and a time to sow or a time to rend and a time to sow a time to keep silence and a time to speak a time to love and a time of hate a time of war a time of peace what profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth, I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. Go back to verse 1 with me. We read many verses there that talk about a time for different things, but notice what he says in verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time, to every purpose under the heaven. Let me say this. A lot of times we'll say, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to share the gospel with somebody, but I just don't have time. The Bible says that if God has purposed something in our lives, there's a time to every purpose. We're making God a liar. So well, I'd like to be more involved in evangelism in my church, but I just just don't have the time. Are you saying God is a liar? God's purpose is that he's not willing that any should perish. But all should come to repentance. Well, I'd like to make more time for the Lord. I'd like to make more time for Bible reading and more time for prayer. And I would say, without a doubt in my life, that God has made that a purpose in the believer's life. But I don't have time. And God says, no, there's a time to every purpose under heaven. We make time for so many other things, don't we? And God says we need to focus on some things here today, some things that are spiritual, So I want you to keep Ecclesiastes chapter 3 in mind as I lay out these four purposes to you today. And you you might push back and say, well, I, I, I see what you're saying, preacher, but I don't know that I can get involved. No, no. God says there's a time. There's a time to this purpose. Notice, first of all, in Mark chapter 12, you can turn back there. We see the first thing that supports this purpose statement, the purpose of the church. Number one, the exaltation of the Savior the exaltation of the Savior. What is the purpose of the local church? To bring glory to Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 21 says, unto him be glory in the church. By the way, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Bible says that God is a jealous God. He won't share his glory with another. I've heard unsaved people in Those who are skeptics, they will mock that verse. What kind of God is a jealous God? If he is almighty and he is all powerful, why would he be jealous of anything? What does he have to be jealous of? And maybe you're asking that same question today, but there's two definitions the word jealous. There's jealous that, that makes us envious or a desire to have something that somebody else has, and we, 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 we put them down and lift ourselves up. And there's that wicked, green-eyed monster, as they call it, jealousy. But then there's also the concept of guarding something jealously. You understand? Have you ever heard the word used in that context before? Husbands, you guard the relationship with your wife jealously. We we will say that at a wedding. We will tell a young man, you guard this relationship jealously. You don't let anybody interfere with your marriage union. You don't let anybody come between you. She is your best friend, your closest confidant. You pray together. You, uh, you, you, know, you weep together. You laugh together. You guard that relationship jealously. And that's the definition when God says he's a jealous God. He's saying this is something that I deserve and only I deserve, and so I must guard it jealously. I can't let anybody else have it. And the context bears that out. His glory he will not share with another. It's not because God is insecure. Good night. Think about that. God, almighty, insecure? No, it's because he alone is worthy. And to give glory to another is to cheapen the glory that we give to God. And so one of the purposes of the church we see in Mark chapter 12, the Bible says, and Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And I wonder this morning as we opened up our mouths and we sang songs of worship and praise to God, was it with all our hearts and was it with all our souls? Was it with all our might? I mentioned to the choir this morning in Revelation we read of the new Jerusalem coming down. When that new Jerusalem descends, the Bible says there that God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes as we enter into that holy city together. What a, what a day that will be. Incredible. And there's an angel that says, Behold. Behold. And then Jesus says, Behold, I make all things new. What the angel is saying is, take a look. Behold our God. Look at the throne. Down the center of that golden street, you'll see the river of life flowing out from the throne of God. And there upon the throne is the Ancient of Days, God sitting there to be worshipped. The Bible talks about those beasts that fly around and they sing, holy, holy, holy. Night and day they will sing. The nations of the world will come and they will worship at his feet. And so I said that to the choir this morning and I said, I want you to keep that in mind as we sing Behold Our God. Because so often the song that we have sang so many times, both in choir and congregational, it can become commonplace. But there is nothing common about our God. There's nothing common about that scene in heaven. One day I I'm, listen, friends, that's, that is everything the child of God hopes for is to one day to bow before that throne and cast our crowns at Jesus' feet. Don't ever take it for granted. He is worthy of our praise. Revelation chapter four says, "Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. He is worthy. And so we come to church this morning to exalt him and to lift him up. And we ought to do it with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and with all our strength. And I know when we come to church, we come with burdens and we come with luggage and we come with sometimes sin in our hearts and lives. And we, we go and we're looking to be helped and refreshed friends. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to be very honest with you. Nothing will help you more than praising God almighty and worshiping his name for God inhabits the praises of his people. You're never closer to God than when you're singing and speaking his holy name. So worship him. The purpose of the church is to exalt the Savior. Don't be ashamed of it either. I think a lot of places have gotten away from it. They have a song service. They'll sing a couple songs and they'll be right into the preaching. And listen, I understand the importance of God's word in preaching and And uh, you say, well, yeah, you preach a long time sometimes. And I understand how important it is to get into the Word of God. But let us never discount worship. As a matter of fact, just a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was for last Sunday, I redid how we do an order of service to reflect that. I'd already been praying about this and thinking about, because I think that everything we do ought to be done to God's glory, even an order of service. And so I put right at the top, you can't see it from there, but it says worship. And then down here it says preaching. And everything in between there and there, it has to be worship. I don't want to get up and talk about a basketball game on Friday night. We're not here to fool around, we're here to worship God. And then there's preaching, and then at the end it says post-service. And so why'd you do that? Because if I'm ever away... and and somebody else has to do the order of service, I want them to know, post-service, after church is over, that's when you can talk about all that other stuff. We are here to glorify God. I have no problem sharing a prayer request with you because when we pray, we're worshiping God. We're saying, God, I am weak and you are strong, and I need you. Prayer is a form of worship. But we must pray like we sing with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind. And so a purpose of the church is to exalt the Savior. Did you come with that in mind this morning? You know, we, sometimes worship has become a very generic thing. Well, I'm going to a worship service, or I'm going to worship God. I, I read in the Old Testament that they prepared, and they prepared, and they prepared, and they prepared before they ever went to the temple. The day of atonement was something that they had to go and purchase a spotless lamb. It cost them something and they would take it for inspection and then it would be offered upon the altar and the blood would be shed. And and so much was involved in worship. The, The instruments in the Old Testament, you'll read how much they rehearsed and practiced and prepared their hearts to worship their God. It was an important thing. And so we too will prepare. We are to exalt the Savior. Here's another purpose of the church. Another purpose of the church is the engagement of the saints. The engagement of the saints. Turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 is a very well known passage that many of you have probably memorized. Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now listen verse 5, focus in now. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is it? Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant. It was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto the death the death of the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ's most popular title or most used title on earth was the Son of Man. He was a servant. That denoted his servant spirit. The Bible says in Philippians chapter two that he thought himself not not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no... We're so worried about our reputation today. Jesus Christ didn't even worry about his reputation. He made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. But he says this, the author, Paul, writing to the church of Philippi, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He wants us also to be servants. And so the second pillar or the second point of of the purpose of the church is the engagement of the saint. It is a place where we gather together to serve. We must We are not here just to serve one another. The Bible says in Philippians 2 that each is to esteem one another better than themselves. I understand. But we are to serve also a lost and dying world. We are to be known as servants. That is part of our ministry. That is part of our job. Let me say this. There's a difference between attending church and being the church. Everybody follow me? There's a difference between attending a church or being the church. Somebody might say, I, I I go to church at Bethel. Others might say, That is my church. I belong to that church. I am part of that church. I'm not just a consumer, but I participate. I'm more than just warming a pew and sitting and coming and and, and receiving a message and being served, but instead I've come that I might serve others. It is called the engagement of the saint. James chapter 2 says it this way, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead. Being alone, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? I want to I say this this morning, and, I, and I wanna, I'm going to do this in a, just a few weeks as we run into our new year. I've spent a lot of time, we sat with the staff, and I've put together what I've called a servant leadership program. And for some some of us that have been around a church for a little while, it it might bother us a little bit at first. But I believe, and I've, I've come to believe, and I think it's important, that every child of God is serving somewhere. Well, they just got saved. Pastor, they haven't even joined the church yet. I believe that every child of God should be serving somewhere. And so I, I'm just going to briefly talk to you this morning about it, but I, I'm going to present this on a Sunday night, and I think it's important that we pray over it and then we get involved in it. I believe that every child of God can have an entry-level position. And I'm not saying that to insult anybody, but somebody comes in the church house and they're here for the first Sunday and they, maybe they accept Christ and they get excited and they say, well, what can I do? What, I want to do something for my God who saved me. What can I do? And we say, well, you wait six months and you do this and you do that, and then they just don't want to be here. But I think everybody can do something. And so there's some entry-level stuff that we want to say, every ministry, have something that somebody can do. How can they help? How can they be a part? How can they do something? And during that entry-level time, we want them to be discipled, and we want them to come to a membership class, and we want them to be baptized, and we want them to join the church. And so we, we're, we're growing servants. And then the next level is called Engagement. And in engagement, now you're going to help in a Sunday school class. Now you're a member of the church, and you, you've been discipled, and you've joined the church. And you say, well, what's the timeline? There is no timeline. I can't tell you how fast somebody will grow. But I'm just saying that if the engagement in ministry and the engagement of the saint is important to our church, then we have to grow people. We have to mature people. We have to train people. And I need everybody to get involved. Everybody can do something. You're either going to go to church or you're going to be the church. And I think there's a lot of times we're pretty good at taking care of needs within our congregation. But there's a lost and dying world out there that's wondering, do they care? What are they doing? How are they reaching I'm I'm not saying that somebody's going to walk in off the street and they're going to say, Pastor, I just got saved today. Could I preach tonight? No, I probably won't even let you preach tonight. But I am saying there's something everybody can do and whet their appetite for service. I remember years ago, somebody said this, win them, wet them, and work them. Well, I think we also train them. (laughs) Amen. And maybe we've we got to add that step, train them, invest in them, disciple them, grow them, help them mature. But the point is this, friends, every one of us need to be engaged. We must do something if we're going to truly be the church. Here's the third thing in this purpose statement. The third thing. Number three is the edification of the saint. The edification of the saints. Turn back a few pages if you're in Philippians. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. The edification of the saints. Verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. We're to be edified. We're to help. We're to encourage. We're to strengthen. Edify means to build up. And he gave the church some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever, ladies, let me ask you specifically, how many of you have ever met a perfect man? The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that the man of God may be perfect. Amen? The word perfect means complete. It means to have a thorough knowledge of spiritual things and scriptural things. It means to grow in grace. And I don't know that there's ever a time where we can say, well, I'm I'm perfect, I'm complete, but we are striving for that mark. That is where we are trying to head. We are trying to grow. We are trying to add to our faith and grow each and every day. And so we must be discipling people. When we come to church, we want to edify. Let me ask you something. This morning, did you edify somebody? Did you encourage somebody? Were people encouraged just by seeing you? Yikes. Or did they run and hide when they saw you come down the hall? What is your reputation? We all know folks like that, don't we? You just see them coming and go, oh boy, here we go. I'm not going to ask him how he's doing because he'll tell me. We, we, I know I've been there. How about just setting up one foot in front of the other say, Every step I take, I just want to encourage somebody. I want to edify somebody. I want to smile. I'm going to help. I go up to see Mrs. Snively every couple days, and I come away Edified. We go with the purpose of trying to encourage her. We come away encouraged. She picks on me, calls me all kinds of things. I told her the other day, I said, every time I talk to somebody, they say you're really, really low and you're struggling and they're calling in the family. So, but every time I come, you're cheerful and happy. I said, I guess I must make you happy. And she threw some insult at me like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> but I come away edified. And we just have that relationship. She knows she can pick on me and it makes me laugh, makes me smile. Everybody has to figure that out. How can I be a blessing to somebody else? How can I encourage them? But edification is more than just encouragement. It's to help them spiritually to grow. My Bible says in Ephesians that the older women should be teaching the younger women. The older men should be teaching the younger men. I was just thinking today, I said "Happy birthday to Mr. Pipe." and uh, he and Mila share a birthday, but they're 79 years apart. She could learn a lot from somebody older. What are we passing on? How are we edifying? That's the purpose of the church that we might help them grow, help them be encouraged, help them feel loved. The edification of the saints. It's important. It's important. First John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Who have you offered fellowship to? Sometimes we're clicky, aren't we? You know what clicky means? We're in our cliques. It made sense to me. I'm Canadian, but maybe you're from somewhere else. You know what a clique is. A clique is that group that you just guard. You know anybody else in, and that's your, that's your circle of friends. And I, I understand we have closer friends than others. But Have you ever walked across to the other side of the room and shook somebody's hand and said, hey, can we get a coffee sometime? Have you ever said, come to our connection group? I'll sit with you in class. I'll help you make you feel comfortable. Fellowship. Fellowship. Years ago, Pastor Tolbert at Hillside Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri had a friend day. He said, I want you to invite a friend to church. But here's what he did. He put a twist on it. He says, here's the requirement. Everybody is to go make a new friend. Go find somebody who needs a friend and invite them to church. Our friend, Minnie Pearl, she took it seriously and she was down at the automotive garage getting her car fixed and there was a fellow by the name of George sitting over there and she just said, he looks like he needs a friend. Well, they were married three weeks later. (laughs) Worked out pretty well. But she says I, I i would have known I would never known such joy if I hadn't have just gone and made a friend and offered fellowship to somebody found out he was saved, but he didn't have a church home. his wife had died and he just got away and hey, when have you set out to be a friend to somebody to make a friend that, we're talking about being the church it's the purpose of the church. you remember what Jesus said the second commandment commandment is his as is, is important as the first, to love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? Have you ever heard about the Good Samaritan? It's not necessarily the one you would expect. It's the one that extends love to you. Who is my neighbor? And then we have this, the fourth thing, and we're done. The evangelism of the sinner. The evangelism of the sinner The Great Commission is still in the Bible. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We still have a commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. After 18 months, we're going to try to get out on the streets again. Try to do some outreach. Next Saturday morning, I hope you'll come at 8.30, we're going to have some breakfast and we're going to use an app on our phones that helps us track where we go and such. And and we want to train a little bit on that and we want you to come. We want you to come and be a part of that because when we think about the purpose of the church, evangelism is so, so vital. Evangelism of the sinner, the evangelism of the lost. There's a lost and dying world that needs Christ. Now listen to this. Go back to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. My time is gone or I'd spend more time on that. But here's the thing, tonight is the second part of what the world needs most. And we're going to talk about the evangelism of the sinner for the whole night. And so this is my segue into the evening message. I hope that you'll come and be a part of that. And it's the only reason I feel comfortable leaving it for now. Mark chapter 12, look at verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, And with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. We demonstrate, verse 30, loving God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, when we exalt our Savior, and when the saints are engaged. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, to prove the sincerity of your love, it was through their works. How they gave to help the church of Jerusalem. That that was how they proved it. He says, You show me, James says, You show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. So when we are engaged in service and when we are exalting the Savior, our first two points today, we are fulfilling how we love the Lord thy God. Listen, you can say you love God all you want, but you have to show it. God needs to see it demonstrated. We can tell our wives we love them. But how do we demonstrate it to them? I knew somebody years ago. I'm not making this up. This is a horrible thing. That he would stop at the cemetery on the way home and pick up flowers for his wife. I'm, I'm, not t- I'm telling you the absolute 100% truth. And she thought it was wonderful because it saved money and they're just going to throw them out anyway. Well, it's disrespectful for one. Theft for number two. But how does that demonstrate you love somebody? David said, when offered the threshing floor of Onan, he says, I will not give God anything that didn't cost me something. A couple years ago, Brother Spong was making these little boxes and he did all these ribbon work with his scrolls. It was beautiful work. And I said, Brother Spong, I'd like to get one of those for my wife for Valentine's Day. And I'll fill it with chocolate. And I said, I think that'd be special to have something that you've made. And, and uh, I said, I'd like to buy one from you. He says, you're not buying it. I'll make you one. I said, no, no, I want to I buy it. I want to pay for it. So whatever the, you know, whatever the wood costs and you're whatever. I just want to buy it. And I said, I'm going to put Lindor chocolates in it. I thought my wife might shout amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord right there. And so, all the above. So I went to pick it up when it was all done. He let me know it was done, and I went to pick up this little box. And I guess you could use it for a jewelry box, whatever you wanted to use. But it was just nice to have something from Brother Spong he had made. And uh, he says, now, Pastor, I wasn't going to charge you. I said, I know, but I want to pay. He says, my wife is making me charge you. I said, dear sweet Eileen is making me pay for this. And I, w- I wanted to pay for it. And he says, because she says it won't be special to your wife if you didn't pay for it, if it didn't cost you something. He says she understands it better than I do. That's the principle that David teaches us from the Bible. I don't want to give my God anything. It didn't cost me something. And so as we consider being engaged in service and exalting our Savior, let's give him all that we have that we might glorify him. Now look at verse 31 of Mark chapter 12. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. We demonstrate, verse 31, loving our neighbor when we edify the saint and when we evangelize the sinner. If you can come in today, you have no idea what some people in this room are going through. If you can give them a smile, glad to see you, love your brother, praying for them, Whatever. You can encourage their heart. You can help somebody by taking them aside. Say, "Hey, could I go through a Bible? Can I do some discipleship with you? Can I teach you? Can I help you grow? Maybe we can grow together." Hey, come to my connection group. We have a Sunday school class on Sundays. We have an activity on Friday night. I'll sit with you. I'll be your friend. We are fulfilling verse thirty-one: love your neighbor as yourself. But we also fulfill love your neighbor as yourself when we evangelize the lost. You'll remember the story of the good Samaritan. He would have never expected a Samaritan would have helped him. He was outside the covenant of God. He wasn't a Jewish man, and the priests passed him by, and the Levite passed him by, and others passed him by, but it was the Samaritan who loved him. There's a lost and dying world that needs us. To come and show that same love. And when we do it, we demonstrate our love for them. Jesus says that's just as important as the first. If you're gonna love me, you need to love one another, and you need to love the lost. If we fail to carry out the purpose of the church, we're just attending, but we're not being the church. Somebody said that church is often like a football game. 50,000 fans in need of exercise when there's 22 on the field who desperately need rest. And it's often true. We must be the church. Not spectators, not consumers, but contributors. Serving our Savior and pushing forward for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed we'll stand together would you pray would you pray for our church throughout this series on Be The Church I've thought much about how can we implement some of these things and the servant leadership program is part of that I listen the last step of that is servant leadership we need leaders who are servants Never lose sight that you're a servant. Jesus was the son of man who thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and became a servant. We must be all willing to serve. We've prayed much about how can we make minor changes. How can we encourage discipleship and growth? And friends, pray with us in those things. We need to be the church. Sometimes we're like a, a cloistered community of nuns. We're just inside our walls and we don't go out and do anything. Man, I want Simcoe to know that there's a God in Simcoe. And he can be found right here at Bethel Baptist Church. I'm not saying we're the only church. I'm not saying we're the only ones that preach the Bible. I'm just saying I want them to know that he is very real to us and very present here. We must be the church. Maybe there's one here today that would say, I don't not sure I'm saved. I've been bothered since last Sunday morning, or God pricked my heart this morning, that I need to know Jesus as my Savior. Would you pray for me, Pastor? I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out, but would you just slip up your hand? Let us help you today. Sir there one?